This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. All right, we made it back another day. The world's made it back another day. I think everybody's always a little concerned. You know, you go to bed at night, you never really know these days. You never really know, do you? I want to just um, mention a little story here before I get into the subject matter at hand. I happen to be um, <laughs> searching for something in my digital notebook. I, I, was, I hesitated there because I couldn't remember what I was searching for. And I was going to tell you, but I'm not. It's too personal. And I searched COVID and just all these different links back. And my, my, well, they would all be in the show notes uh, as well. You know, it searches through everything. That's a, a digital notebook of mine, a portion of it that I share. So all these articles and information on COVID, COVID, COVID. This one, for whatever reason, caught my eye. And I don't know the date when I'm looking at it. Just the, the headline caught my eye. As Americans ditch COVID measures, pandemic worsens for the vulnerable. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, that's crazy, right? That Remember that? that when, when people, oh, no, they want to mask up. They wanted to keep the masks forever. They really, still people that want to mask up. There's like a term for it now. Either way, either way, whatever your feelings on all that, maybe you're a double masker, a double vaxxer, and a double believer. All right, good for you. I hope you're safe. I hope you never get, I really do. I don't want anybody to get anything. This one goes all the way back to August. August, barely two months ago, not even, right? No, August 30th, a little over a month ago, five weeks ago. It goes on this very nonspecific, not verifiable rant. It, I, this is probably AI-generated propaganda, I kid you not. I could be wrong. There's an author here, Eric Berger. Let's click on his name. Uh, freelanced, freelance journalist based in St. Louis. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's quite a few articles here credited with this guy. How Florida's Don't Say Gay Law Could Harm Children's Mental Health. It's one of his articles. All this stuff hits the... The liberal bullet points nicely, this Eric Berger. I'd like to know if it's a real person, honestly. This has all the, the fingerprints, right? Remember I used that term the other day that they, it was a new term? I think Obama used it. At the, at the sea level has left fingerprints of what sea level means. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Barack. Barack, the oceanographer, preaching to us about how difficult it is to understand and measure sea level. Anyway, anyway, all the way five weeks ago, you know, 
four weeks before Biden said there's no more pandemic. Biden said it, right? Right on 60 Minutes. Beautiful interview. He looked good. Barely stuttered. The lighting was perfect. He got a little angry at Putin. Don't. 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 (laughs) He does seem a little satanic, man. He's a little freaky. And then they came out the next day with a report that says, uh, United States privately tells Russia not to use nukes. I'm like, it was on <laughs> 60 Minutes last night. This is how we're lied to. you got to check out uh, this article from The Guardian on COVID. All right? I'm ranting around here. Let me get to the point. You read through this, and it's making the case that all the restrictions and vaccinations should continue and photographs of People waiting in line during the state-run COVID vaccination tour in New York City. A a Getty Images photograph. This is not news. This is not uh, journalism. A, A image of Pfizer's vaccination. Getty Images. This is all, uh, Stuff that, that is purchased and resold, right? So the Guardian, they, they buy this content and repackage it, if they do it all. Add a few photos, format it up, bada boom, bada bing, make money off the ads. Five weeks ago, as Americans ditch COVID measures, pandemic worsens for the vulnerable. Who are these vulnerable? Probably people of color, you racist, white, privileged, insensitive people. There's no, no, who's been vulnerable? They don't even hear about COVID anymore. Nobody's like, what, COVID? What COVID? They have to. I'm shocked. I thought we'd be going through more lockdowns so they could steal the election. But I said this before. I said they can't, they can't keep using the same dirty tricks. I guess they can, but they run a risk in doing that. And in this particular case, people don't want to relive that. People are trying to get away from that. It did a lot of damage. They, the liberals, the Democrats, really driven by corporate influence. I'm going to talk more about that. It's not a um, uh, a liberal media. I don't really believe that. What's liberal about it? Social liberals have gone socialists. Well. Some have, or they've recruited socialists over to a portion, a wing of the Democrat Party. I think you could blame largely on Obama, but you could disagree with me on that. I think the main problem is the corporate influence, and it's affecting the, what you call the Republican Party as well. I could go on and on about all this. Five weeks ago, they're still trying to convince you to get vaccinated and mask up. Five weeks ago. Four weeks, barely a month before Biden said, there ain't no pandemic, pandemic's over. Trust me, trust me it is. (laughs) Until him or Kamala conveniently needs an excuse to hide in the basement. Just out of an abundance of caution, the president's going to quarantine and he'll receive his daily reports digitally. Yeah, okay, sell me another one. You can't believe anything. That's what I'm, I'm saying to you, all right? I had another thought on this before I get into what I really want to talk about. 
uh, the Book of Life, where everything is recorded. Have you ever heard that talked about? It's not my area of expertise or anything like that, but isn't that what the, the Book of Life, where everything is recorded, right? Everything about you, everything, uh, your thoughts, everything you experienced, et cetera, a complete record of your life, right? I mean, this, have you ever heard of this in, like, uh, science fiction movies and things? No, I don't, maybe I dreamt it up. I don't know. I, don't, I never, didn't really look it up. But I thought to myself, this is what's being created right now, digitally speaking. Not quite there yet, but doggone, it's getting close, really close. I mean, they're going to literally have it to where I got an email about my daughter's book being laid at the library. There's a record of that somewhere. I kid you not. There's a record. Now, you could say that about paper. Paper can be kept as well. But the digital becomes a lot more powerful. So, uh, listen, we're being lied to and we're being... uh, spied on in ways that you can only dream. I showed it's pretty mainstream now. Maybe you've done it yourself. Have you tried the um, on your phone, the Google uh, search to shop? It's fascinating. Fascinating. You can take your camera and point it at anything. Mouse, desktop mouse, and hit shopping, and it'll pull up places you can buy it right on the spot, but through an image search. That's how intelligent the technology is you can snap a photograph of a page of text it doesn't have to be perfectly lined up the lighting that you can be in an angle an odd angle it'll grab that text and instantly translate it uh, um, into into actual you know text characters and perfectly format it it's amazing absolutely it does more that I don't even know I'm not a big Google fan, but uh, it's crazy. Why am I bringing that up? You know, I used to think like with the podcast, you say, well, you know, how can they possibly um, really keep track of what's going on podcasts without listening to all of them? (laughs) If they can process a page of text that fast, I'm pretty sure they can sort and analyze a 40-minute podcast extremely quickly. It's nuts when you think about it. It really is. And then when you think about everything being tracked, oh, oh, Christopher Scott, YouTube infraction, 2022, video had to be removed for for false information. Mm-hmm. Probably going to take a big uh, hit on my social credit score. Anyway, how dystopian does all that? Does that sound not normal to you? Do you think that's good? You're like, yeah, I'm cool with it. I remember uh, probably 10 years ago now, maybe a little longer, a discussion with a church group. And I remember there was a young guy, probably not much younger than me. And he's like, yeah, I could do an ID implant. What's the difference? I carry my phone. I carry my wallet. I stick it under my skin. Big deal. Yeah, I suppose you could say that. Knowing what you know now, do you feel the same way about that? I, I, I Nuts to me. Nuts. I'm thinking about going to a flip phone. I'm not kidding. Uh, actually, there's really no reason why I need to carry around a dumb phone. Really no need. I know, smartphone, but I say dumb phone. Let me jump into this here because this is pretty fascinating. And I know it's going to sound very technical, but I'm going to break it down for you and make it real simple. I'm not going to get you know super philosophical or super complicated. 
You're not going to hear any uh, 42-word sentences from me. Um, I'm just going to keep it real easy to understand. Uh, There was an article uh, on WND about what they called Biden bucks, the horrors of digital currency. And the article kind of opens up with that to say, you know, that this uh, of Biden's many horrors of all the things that he's doing to destroy this country, the damage to our military, uh, the border, the crime, the debt. Um, they claim that the tops in that is digital currency. That moving to a digital currency is just plainly evil. Biden's most evil act, if you will. Well, uh, from what I understand, and I haven't had the time to go back and actually read any of this uh, legislation in a while, but my understanding is that the ability to move to a, a digital currency was signed into law by Trump on one of the stimulus deals. One of the stimulus deals. I got a, an email from our buddy Dan the other day. He said, whatever happened to a, a budget? Yeah, there's no budget anymore. It's just this um, rampant spending, really crazy. But anyway, it's my understanding that it was Trump that allowed digital currency. It was Trump that brought the vaccine. You say, well, it was the Democrats that shut everybody in, shut everybody down. Trump had a hand in it all as well. Who knows, you know, how he was being lied to. I'm just saying, you know, look at the, the history. So... Then uh, they say this, in Biden's vision, this is the, you know, the argument for a digital currency, digital currency will advance democracies to lift people up, not hold them down. Naturally, digital currency is being offered as a solution to problems we never realized we had. I don't hear that happening at all. I don't hear anybody saying that. I don't hear it being talked about at all, really, uh, except for like conspiracy theorists. I don't know that it is what people necessarily think it is. It's touted as far more efficient, easy, environmentally beneficial, and even more sanitary than paper currency. It is all that. And some people would be happy happy using a digital currency. I've mentioned this before. I don't know what the difference would mean to me that I use my, uh, my bank card and shop online probably the bulk of the money that I spend. I pay my bills online. I, I shop mainly online. I mean, I do use cash, but as a percentage of my spending, I don't see that changing. They say with digital currency gone are the troublesome days when cash must be print, printed or minted. Now the government can flood the system with untold trillions of digital dollars at the push of a button. Now that's efficiency. Uh, it really is. But I have to ask it in very simple terms. I said I was going to keep it very simple. Compared to what we have today, if I'm doing all those things already, why does anything need to change exactly? What, what, what do you mean, go? Why can't I keep some cash? You tell me that we're not going to be able to use cash? What are the benefits of that? Essentially, that's what we'd, we'd be asked to do, to give up cash, to give up any physical means of exchange. And by the way, I'll bet you uh, that pretty quickly you would see this black market currency develop. I'll bet you. People people would want to have 
uh, a medium of exchange outside of some kind of dystopian centralized system like that. They just would. It, w- it would probably be some kind of barba- barbaric uh, um, you know, a trading system or something like that. I don't know. What are the benefits of giving up cash completely? Tell me. If, if you're concerned about um, you know, uh, all these things, environment and sanitary conditions, you can use Apple Pay, you can use the, what the um, PayPal. There's many, right? Many. Uh, you don't really have to touch cash. Now you could say, well, <clears throat> not everybody, you know, some places are cash only. But I, I would say that you're hardly the denied access in this country if you don't want to use cash. Or go anywhere at this point. You have everything you want delivered to you pretty much, including dinner in most places. I guess that's not everywhere, not in rural areas, especially in rural areas. Why would they want digital currency? You tell me, what are the benefits? Why? Why? And why isn't it being, if it's so great, why isn't it being open, openly discussed? Frankly, uh, one of the, the benefits they say is that um, – you don't have to worry about carrying cash. I think it's easier to lose, right? Remember the people that have lost like their Bitcoin wallets or whatever? I don't know what you call those things. Digital currency would be vulnerable. To, now, here's the, the, uh, the downside, as they say it. Digital currency would be vulnerable to hacking, technological glitches, and power outages. Any hiccup in the system would mean your funds are not available. Listen, if there's no electric on a broad scale... How do I get cash? Now, I guess you could argue, well, you'd want to keep some cash on hand for those situations. Um, but you're not gonna, you know, it's only going to last so long, right? And, and what's it going to get you, really, if there's that kind of situation? How much commerce is really going to be going on? As far as vulnerable to hacking, how's it going to be any more or less vulnerable than the, the situation that I'm in now that was hacked once? I was I made the stupid mistake of ordering on Amazon from a hotel on the hotel Wi-Fi, which I know better than that. Somebody hacked it and bought a $500 watch from, uh, I don't know, one of these sports stores or Best Buy or something like that. I got an email, thank you for your purchase from blah, 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 and I don't shop there. I thought it was spam. I don't want to hit the email, right? Because I'm sensitive to this stuff. But let me just go log into my bank account. And sure enough, they got it. Had the address and everything. Turned it over to the police. Does anything happen with it? I'd be shocked. Anyway, I find this to be an exaggeration about vulnerable to hacking and all this other stuff. Uh, same thing is is today in some way. You think if the if there's a grid down scenario, nothing's moving. There, there, nobody's gonna know about any money in the bank. You got bigger problems now. Uh, this is interesting in in light of giving up <clears throat> cash. You can no longer tip your hairdresser, or drop or f- drop a few bucks into a homeless person's cup. You can no longer sell unneeded items at a yard sale or send your grandkid a $10 bill in a birthday card. Well, now with all the mail theft going on, nobody's mailing cash. Not a good idea to put money into any homeless person's cup, if you ask me. Uh, But either way, it makes a valid point that you can't just make small private exchanges. Government's going to spy on all of it. 
Bitcoin expert Anthony Pompliano, I don't know what makes him an expert, calls digital, I didn't look it up, digital currency one of the greatest violations of human rights in history. He says, once a central bank digital currency is in the hands of a population, the central bank has solidified complete control. They will no longer have to go to the court system or invoke emergency powers to tell you who you can interact with. This can all be implemented through remote digital technologies. These central bankers will be able to see what is in your bank account, who you transact with, what you purchase, and anything else they are curious about in your financial life. The full transparency with the state removes all elements of privacy while also giving the institutions the ability to censor any and all transactions regardless of whether they have a legitimate reason or not. A lot of that's already happening. Uh, Yeah, but it could only get worse, right? So I'd say, again, what are the benefits? Why would we give up cash that if you want to use it? If you can move every human into a digital concentration camp, empty their bank account anytime you want, and tell them what they can and cannot spend money on, you've got complete control. Sounds horrific. I, I, I just don't really understand how it's much different than what we have today, really. So, digital currency, kind of a weird phenomena. Well, I want to talk about what that means in terms of this new green scam. And I stumbled across this story here from townhall.com, the coming green electricity nightmare. And it's a pretty long article, actually, that really goes into a lot, goes into how mansion kind of got uh, screwed over with this last bill. I don't understand that. I don't understand that a guy with that kind of experience just gets the the gets shammed like that. I don't think so. I'm guessing maybe he was bullied. Who knows? Manchin voted yay and promptly got bushwhacked. Once he'd helped enact the IRA, he had a zero advantage. I don't know what they're calling the IRA. Um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, that's what it is. Schumer, he discovered, had promised an opportunity, maybe a vote, but not actual support. Blah, 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 blah. We didn't uh, shake hands on any deal. We don't want easier permitting for drilling pipelines or liquid national gas terminals that could help send U.S. natural gas to Britain and Europe. In the end, it's probably a good thing that Manchin's bill went nowhere, <laughs> meaning that it preserved the the resources here. That's pretty crazy that that's what we're saying. Yes, it provided some much-needed and long-overdue reforms to curb the paralysis by analysis and endless litigation that have plagued fossil fuels, highways, airports, and countless other projects for decades. I don't know what it did in terms of that, but it also had Trojan horse provisions that would have unleashed hordes of newly subsidized wind, solar, and transmission marauders on much of the lower 48. Um, I'm guessing this part didn't get enacted. But anyway, uh, it goes on and on. They're talking about um, the massive investments that's taken place. I don't have it here in the show notes, but I was also reading about, I think, $12 billion that was sent down to Puerto Rico for green energy. 
And I don't think they even have any idea how to spend it, really. I don't know what to do with it. A lot of this money they're offering in the form of grants, and the conditions of the grant can't generally be met by private property and private business owners. Really, uh, and I think that's part of this great reset deal that they, they want to um, basically offer their roofs for solar panels in exchange for having to pay property tax and, and use that uh, freed up money to pay on the debts. <laughs> it's a crazy tie-in, I know. Either way, either way, this energy crisis... Whatever you want to call it, gas through the roof, oil, Saudis said they or OPEC rather, so they're going to cut back on on pumping. It's a manufactured energy crisis. There's really no debate about that. Lots of finger pointing on who's to blame for it, but really no debate on that. There's an energy crisis, certainly in Europe, United States, price. We haven't done without yet, but yet. Uh, but it's another area with this proposed centralized control, which is really fascinating. What, you know, with the digital money, why do we have to give up cash? Why and why uh, all this money being pumped into green energy? Why don't they just make it real simple and offer to pay for people's solar panels? Cap it. Come up with a formula. The government can do that. It, it, it's been done, and they can absolutely target uh, marginalized communities. HUD was doing it in the, in the 70s. I saw it when I was growing up. We didn't have a lot of money, and HUD came through, and they offered, um, I think it was no-interest loans, and there were some subsidies, I'm pretty sure, that came with that, but it was certainly no-interest loans. It's one way that the government can come in and, and easily do that. Yeah, come in and uh, offer to pay for the solar panels, the hookup and everything, uh, no interest. They can do that. They can subsidize it. I'm pretty sure, you know, you look at this whole college scam thing going on. Uh, so anyway, the, the bottom line is it's an energy crisis, and you have to ask why or what's the result of that and who. Who really is behind it? You say, well, Russia the war in Ukraine. Some people believe that. Some people want to blame uh, OPEC and the Saudis and you know for cutting back production and things like that. Some people want to blame the liberals here because you know they won't authorize permits and they increased regulation. It all sounds a very hokey pokey to me. I think, you know, in terms of blaming Biden for the energy crisis, I mean, he certainly has his hand in it, but this has been twisting for years. You've probably heard a lot of this talked about. There hasn't been a nuclear power plant built in this country in many, many years. I think that's what they were referring to in the town hall article, that, you know, provisions that would be good to allow these things to happen a little bit easier. The local zoning is crazy, but you know what that's born out of? A respect for the rights of the individual property owner no matter how small, because this idea of owning property was something to be respected and revered. And all these ideas of eminent domain and the greater good, and it takes away from that. Now, the, the flip side is that we haven't had a nuclear power plant built in a very long time. 
uh, unless there's payoffs involved, it seems to be very difficult to get done. Uh, you know, try building a landfill, right? Nobody wants that in their backyard. Nobody. I mean, look at the things they're saying. Poor minorities are being victimized or air quality. I don't doubt that. I mean, the wealthy people aren't living next to uh, landfills. And who, who are the poorest? Primarily minorities. It's not that there's not poor whites. There's plenty of them. And I'm guessing if you go around the landfills, by and large, you're going to find you know, poor brown-skinned people. That'd be my guess. I don't know. So either way, you can't build these things in this country. The other one that they haven't been able to build in forever is a oil refinery, gas refinery, whatever you want to call it. There's like, I don't know, three or four. It's a very small number that serves the whole country. We have one about an hour from here, Marcus Hook, down below Philadelphia. Really, they're called, I think, the Philadelphia Oil Refineries, the Sunoco Oil Refinery. I guess there's others down there. I actually did some work down there when I was got out of the Marine Corps. Crazy stories I could tell you. But anyway, it was a short time. I hated it down there. It is big pit. They called like the, I don't know, the tar pit. It was just like this thick oil. I'm like, how toxic is that for the ground? It was sitting there leaching in all the benzene and whatever else is in there. And God forbid you get stuck in there. Oof, tough stuff. Anyway, you can't do it. You can't do it. But why is this manufactured energy crisis, why is it another area that they want to try and develop this very centralized control? Right? That's all part of this Great Reset. Now, I looked into the Great Reset, and I do have some links on it here. Um, let me offer some of this a second. How does this tie in? Why do we need to reset? Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Greatreset.com. Uh, is there an about on this? I didn't get a chance to go that deep here. Um, the, the pledge. I guess this would be the about. They have a white paper. You can download that. How can we uh, take full responsibility for the impact of our work? Uh, the Great Reset is brought to you by Purpose Disruptors. This was created through a unique collaborative process led by the Purpose Disruptors. Through a series of virtual events, volunteers coming forward, and agencies dedicating time and resource over three months, the Great Reset has come into being. Um, how can I deepen my understanding? Downloadable item. Um, reset ourselves. So let me tell you what they say. What can you do now? Number one, reset ourselves to become agents of change, not just passive receivers of briefs. You can read and share the Great Reset white paper with colleagues. Join the Purpose Disruptors community and attend one of our monthly meetups. Reset what we create to promote sustainable values, attitudes, and behaviors. Reset our impact by reevaluating what we measure and celebrate as, quote, success. It's really weird. Um, this is greatreset.com. Let's see who the purpose disruptors are. We are a network of advertising insiders working together to reshape our industry to tackle climate change. Oh, good God. Advertising insiders 
reshaping their industry. Who's this team? Oh, they've got all the names written here. I mean, who knows who these people are, really? This could all be AI-generated as well. I don't know. You can look here. The Great Reset. They proudly put it out. Visit the campaign website. What is the campaign? That's the same website. Um, that's what they call the Great Reset. Reset ourselves. Reset our, but It's very vague. They don't really say reset what? Reset our impact by reevaluating what we measure and celebrate as, quote, success? I don't know. It's just very vague. So then uh, here's another thing I can share with you. This is from uh, Open Democracy. Oh, stop. Conspiracy theories aside, there's something fishy about the Great Reset. They say, this is the key point I wanted to give you on this. It's a corporate takeover of global governance that affects our food, our data, and our vaccines. Uh, I think it goes deeper than that. But the Great Reset conspiracy theories don't seem to want to die. The theories are triggered by the World Economic Forum Summit last year. Yeah, there's no conspiracy theory. Uh, Hans Clouseau over there was yapping about it. This is the time for the Great Reset. When everything must become different, you will own nothing, you will love me, and everything that I love. That's kind of my take on his accent, but, you know, it's pretty bold. And the next thing you know, Biden's coming out with, you know, red horns, you know, and, and, and you know, everybody's angry and yelling. And I don't know, you tell me. It feels a little dystopian. I don't know. Call me weird. <laughs> I'm not used to the president coming out with the red foreshadow or back shadow, whatever you call that, and talking about how 90 million people in this country are anti-American, and you're one of them. Jeez, what's the worry about? Anyway, um, the set of conspiracy theories around the Great Reset are nebulous and hard to pin down. Well, listen, um, it's not a conspiracy theory, okay? It's been discussed. They They go into it here, the magic words are stakeholder capitalism, a concept that World Economic Forum and Chairman Klaus Schlusslow, Schwab, if you haven't heard about this guy, has been hammering for decades and which occupies pride of place in the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Plan from June 2020. The idea is that global capitalism should be transformed so that corporations no longer focus solely on serving shareholders, but become custodians of society by creating value for customers, suppliers, employees, communities, and other stakeholders. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you could say, if you want to look at this in a positive note, that it's some dystopian way that uh, Wall Street global companies are saying, this is nuts what we're doing in the interest of, of fueling ever stock prices. But what they fail to understand is that the real problem goes also back to the fiat money. You've got constant inflation uh, income for the stock market. And it's nuts. you got people that are drawing these paper profits and reinvesting it back in the market. And then you've got the constant flood of pension money, all kinds of funds, money that's kept in, in markets and subvariants and all these crazy different takeoffs. In the meantime, these companies to, to attract this money and continue to, to increase the value of these companies, 
have done a lot of crazy things. And one of them is off-book deals. Off-book deals are what killed Enron. And it's not a new concept that happens all over the place with all kinds of different things. Uh, what does that mean, off-book deal? Uh, well, let's say you had like a Social Security Administration that was separate of the federal budget, but still part of the, the overall Federal Reserve balance sheet. And the money had been raided and there's known that there's not nearly enough money to fund it in the future. And what would you call that exactly? Uh, but that's not even the best example. Either way, you know, you, they went, so they're, oh, crazy conspiracy theorists. I'm not a crazy conspiracy theorist. I'm like, well, what does this mean? And why would we want it in simple terms? Oh, because our, the stakeholder capitalism is going to be something you're going to like. I think that sounded more French, but you got what I was saying. Klaus Holverstein over there screaming at us. In the name of democracy, you're going to have the stakeholder capitalism and you will like it. Okay, Klaus, thanks. What does it mean? The idea of stakeholder capitalism and multi-stakeholder partnerships might sound warm and fuzzy. I don't think they do. Until we dig deeper and realize that this is actually means giving corporations more power over society and democratic institutions, less. The plan from which the Great Reset originated was called the Global Redesign Initiative. This is all nonsense, though. Hans Clausen over there can talk about whatever the heck he wants you know, until the laws are changed. I'm not saying I'm putting incredible pressure and creating incredible problems because there's no doubt that it absolutely is in many, many ways. Too much investment money, too much liquidity, I don't know, too much influence. Uh, there was a time not long ago within my lifetime when uh, we regularly spoke about the problem of giant corporations having too much control, invading people's lives, invading people's privacy. My mother was warning me about this stuff in the 70s. You look at where we've come today. Say, well, have you done nothing wrong? You have nothing to fear. <laughs> well, I've done a lot of things wrong, so I guess I'm just a, a scared person, and I would like to maintain a little bit of privacy. But it's really nearly impossible, and if people want to out you, there's really not much you can do to stop that either. Provide security. You, know, you better hope that you do, or be able to escape it, I guess, and be able to run for your life. Anyway, it's all very strange to me. You know, the vaccines, the Great Reset, digital currency. Why? Why and why? Why a new Green Deal? Why is it necessary? Why this ramming down our throat? It's not working. Maybe they should try a different approach. You know, such as, hey, would you like to save money on your electric bill? Easy peasy. I mean, call me crazy, but things have been sold this way for a long time. So let's just say I'm a, a well-meaning politician says, you know, I think locally generated energy would be good in a place like Puerto Rico. Not really, because they're going to blow off with the roof, but, you know, you can make the argument either way. And you say, hey, how, how can I sell it? Hey, how about if I could give you, uh, lower your electric bill with some free solar panels, would you be interested? Oh, no, never. Nobody would say yes to that, right? Of course people would say yes to it. You're going to get an easy, immediate yes. Everybody always wants to save more money, put money in their pocket. Easiest sales pitch ever. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.